This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. How David Bromley is not a member of a rock and roll band, I think, is one of life's great mysteries and tragedies. He's a creative genius. He's, 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 he's a lunatic. He's, he's mad as a cut snake. It's pretty hard to categorise David in a few words, because he's everywhere. David Bromley, trust me, you would know his art even if you've never walked into a gallery. And that is kind of the point. You may have seen his art and his iconic images on anything and everything from sushi shops, perfume, even umbrellas. Those images of nudes, maybe young boys smoking cigarettes, butterflies or lighthouses. But David Bromley is labelled everything from a creative genius and our very own Andy Warhol to purely decorative, overproduced and a commercial sellout. But the thing is, David Bromley doesn't really care. He creates art, and yes, he creates a lot of art because he has to. It's for his sanity, it's vital for his survival. And even if no one bought his art, he'd still make it. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, today's a little bit of a different conversation <laughs> hour for us. You know, we uh, we have some famous people in the studio, which we don't normally get people no. of fame on this program. But the reason why we're mixing things up is because fundamentally David Bromley's work is about access to art and understanding the importance and the connection of art and our mental health. It's also kicking off one of my favourite conversations that revolves around art and success and the fact that in this country we seem to have particular rules for visual artists that no one else gets put under. No one says that a musician shouldn't be allowed to be successful and sell lots of albums. Uh, No one suggests an author shouldn't be successful, make money, sell lots of books. But somehow if you're a painter, it's somehow tacky if people are buying your art too much. It seems like a very weird rule to have, and I don't know where it comes from. Well, we can make and draw those comparisons <laughs> to Pro Heart and to Ken Absolutely. Don't. Absolutely. They, they were two artists who were constantly castigated for being too accessible or on T-shirts or doing very famous carpet commercial. Um, they, they were oh, always in trouble. <laughs> they were always <laughs> in trouble for being popular. At the same time, people were saying, oh, Pro Heart, whatever. He was one of Australia's most loved artists. Absolutely. And I mean, I guess they're having a resurgence now, but that's sort of been done in a kitsch way. So that's what today's program is about. It's looking at whether or not art has become a privilege. Is it too hard to access? And in Australia, do we want our artists, our visual artists, to be struggling and poor in order to be authentic? You know, a rich or successful artist whilst alive is a sellout. Why? This is the Conversation Hour. I mean, he's achieved a sort of Warhol level of ubiquity. And that, I think, in many ways, has been both his triumph and his downfall. Some critics said as a derogatory thing, you know, Bromleys are only good for holiday houses and children's bedrooms. Oh, two of my favourite places, the funnest places in the world. Good morning and welcome to The Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you and Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. And a warm welcome to David Bromley and to his partner in life and in crime and in art, Yugi. David, let's start with you. You've been labelled absolutely everything from our own Warhol, a creative genius, to a commercial sellout. How do you feel about straddling those two worlds? Do you even care? Um, well, you've got to look back to before, you know, I I, I was those things, you know, I was probably the invisible man or, you know, certainly at stages, you know, the person that that if you saw me coming, you'd walk across the other side of the road because I was trouble. So, you know, you know, you sort of try and weigh up, you know, you're invisible, broke, um, you know, very mentally ill, um, to anyone having an opinion really about you whilst what's happening in your own life is you've found a a purpose for life or a vocation. Um, You seem to be on top of your mental health at least enough to be able to apply yourself or Mm. should I say applying yourself 
to such an incredible level to uh, to sort of drown the voices um, in your head. You look. I always think that people who have the time. Um, you know, to, to, to sort of make these damning um, statements against you. Well, I, I'd, I'd like a bit of advice on where they find the time. Because <laughs> I, I, have, I have none. And, uh, you well, you know, paint for like 20 hours a day. Look, I've done, I've done, I've done, look, I, I've certainly done, I used to do, I can't remember whether it was 10, 20 hour sessions and then I, I, I'd do, um, and then I'd do a normal day, which was sort of, um, eight hours. But it, it, it in, it in itself was, uh, in, that, that, that in itself was a sort of an adrenaline buzz. You know, it, it sort of, you know, my London dealer once said to me, you know, like I'm a, like the captain of the English, uh, you know, you know, football team that basically <laughs> everyone else would go home after practice. He's already the captain, and he'd stay for an extra hour kicking at goal. And you know, I like that to me. That makes perfect sense. Mm. Stay well, for an extra hour and kicking at goals. David, yeah. take us back. Take take us to when art came into your life. Where's it start? Well, look, I. You know, I, 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 I evidently was creative. I, you know, I had a sign writing and apprenticeship at, um, you know, at, at, at 15, um, because I could design lettering and stuff. And people remind me of certain cars and we debate what those actual cars were, where I painted John Lennon and Mick Jagger on the, uh, you know, dashboard. And I was doing up an old, um, Triumph Thunderbird and on my Vespa I had, when I grow up, I'm going to be a, Triumph Thunderbird. Um, so evidently I was doing all of these things, but as is the case quite often with people who experience, uh, you know, the sort of, well, not the knockout punch as such, but, you know, something similar to that of, of sort of what mental health can do in mm. dragging you away from really being able to do anything much. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, <laughs> It's sort of, yeah, that everything gets drowned. Uh, and so it was sort of like a re-emergence, I, I, I suppose. First came um, the fact that I was still alive, um, which um, was a, a, of a very strange and unusual thing to me that I'd sort of made it to, uh, you know, 24 or whatever it was. And at that stage, I was surfing a lot as a way of getting over my agoraphobia because I hated open spaces. Um, but in the ocean, the ocean moves or you move or you move on waves. So as long as I was in control, I could get back to the car or whatever. Wow. I was moving, moving, moving. That brought about a, a tremendous um, a, 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 a sort of lurch forward in my mental health and that coincided with me wanting to do things like getting sober and getting off drugs and and etc etc and so with that I I then had to look for something which was going to be the purposeful thing and it wasn't like I got into art I purposely spent time <laughs> in the morning surfing and in the afternoon looking for what it is that I could do. I was at a market. I saw a woman with pottery at the market and I said, well, how do you become a, a potter? And she put me onto a place where I could go to classes and, you know, yada, yada, yada. first day, <laughs> first, day first day, you know, I went, this is it. And, 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 and my approach to self-sabotage, which was gigantic, was to find fault in whatever it was that I do. But I just got a big stick and kept hitting that away and just kept doing it. And this is what people will see, of course, as a part of the documentary mm. that's about to be that's released right. tomorrow on the life of David Bromley. It's called Bromley Light After Dark. It launches tonight at the Astor, and I think there's a Q&A that people can get along to. Sitting beside you is an incredible woman that came into your life that is a huge part of the David Bromley world now. And it is a world, mm. Yugi. Yeah, it really is. Before we get into a sort of how you met and the role that you play in the David Bromley world now, you were a lawyer, right? Mm. So the complete opposite yeah. of the madness <laughs> That's right. of art. Absolutely. Like it was rigid and there are set rules. I tell you what, the first 
I'd say two, three years of our relationship was really based on David teaching me not to take the devil's advocate role in every, you know, there you, you have this person who constantly um, chooses at any crossroads to jump off the cliff. And I'm standing there going, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the barrier. Don't jump over the cliff. And he said, just give it a go. You know, take a chance because like so many things. What does Yugi think? Not what does the devil think? That's right. (laughs) And it, 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 it definitely took a lot of time for me to sort of shed that skin of, of often analyzing things so much that you can't even make that first, you know, step forward. So, um, I mean the different the different um, career paths that we've come across, uh, you know come from. I know in the first you know meeting with David's accountant who became you know our accountant, he held both of our hands together and he said, "An artist and a lawyer, it's a great combination. Stay together." I thought, okay, good. We've got his seal of approval. Let's actually, do you going. know who that was? That was actually his wife. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but, you know, after you can't help but um, find within yourself your inner creativity when you're around David. It's just, you know, he, he is that person who gives you permission to be anything you want to be. He doesn't hold you back. So naturally over time, you know, we've we've melded into this, pseudo creative business world where you know he's drawn out of me not only my creative side but he's also tapped into the areas that I do love you know really getting my hands stuck into which is the sort of business and the more um pragmatic side of behind the scenes and I've always said I love I love how we work because you know I like keeping the Mm. back end really tight so then he can be as wild and creative. It's interesting that you make that connection though between business and Mm. art. A few years Mm. ago I actually did a program on seeing art as a business and the fact is yes it is creative and you need that creative flair but without treating it as a business it's only going to succeed for so long and our very own breakfast presenter here Sammy J he wanted to go to school to study small business and they Mm. said well what's your business idea he said I'm a comedian Mm. I said well that's not a business he's like yes it is absolutely it's my Mm. business Mm. and I need to know how to do the books I need to know all absolutely and on the flip side Rochelle I mean I love watching David because we a lot of our time isn't spent around artists they're often tradespeople, other business people you know locals in our community yeah and i watch david and he he does the opposite side you know from an artist's um eye he sees the art in everything they do you know he looks at what our carpenter does and goes wow that's the most creative incredible thing you've made and it sort of it gives everyone this little quite often more so than a person who would tag themselves as as an artist and and at Mm. times i see them as incredibly uncreative people with very uncreative sort of resonance Mm. um you know versus you know like a person you know who races harleys or something like that and just the sheer sort of artistry to Mm. what it is that Mm. they do David, that's actually really interesting to me because I, I wanted to ask where you see yourself in the Australian art landscape. Where do you see yourself fitting in? <laughs> there's, that, there's that quote, I don't ever want to be in a club that will accept me. I think that's where David well, sits. Yeah, look, I, look, I, I, I think that, I, you, you know, Yugi, Yugi does me the most incredible f- favor, and, and 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 as 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 a person, you know, who refuses no matter what is thrown at me to um, stop doing what I love um, so much, and you know, I'm a person that for a long time has been able to sort of make my own um, uh, uh, approaches to things, good or bad, and and you know, you have the bad. And it just has to happen. That 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 part of thing doesn't really sort of, you know, bother me, at, you know, bother me at, at, you know, at all. But 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 certainly Yugi's now not the devil advocate, and mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with you know a human who's, you know, it, it, you know the very sort of you know framework of my happiness and and you know my my desire for companionship and to to share in this sort of. Um, thing and then obviously our children, you know, it's etc. Yeah. etc. I think that um, 
you, you know, that's our sort of like world. So, so, so I'm going to contradict myself. So in one way, you've got this sort of system which, you know, you hope will be your, you know, you know, stop you from sort of falling, you know, through the vortex or failing or whatever. But then you've got this sort of system which to me is the antithesis of, um, you know, pure creativity, you know, and rules and stuff. You know, I mean, I, I didn't obey the rules at school, um, uh, you know, and was severely dealt with and, you know, put out into the world, which I was not ready for. But, you know, when it comes to the art scene and my place in the art scene and stuff, if I'm into dudes that are riding motorcycles that, you know, and going to meets and sort of winning and stuff like that, and they're some of my best friends as are builders and, you know, my wharfy mates and, you know, my guys <laughs> that work in the cattle industry and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I live in the world, <laughs> not the art, art world. <laughs> well, that's it. And the art, what is the art world? Let's mm. go back to those references we made mm. at the beginning of Pro Heart mm. and mm. Ken Doan. They aligned themselves with carpet commercials, with T-shirts, mm. with yeah. campaigns for Victoria and the state and all mm. sorts of things. Mm. Yugi, when you look at David's work, and it is mm. on anything and everything, mm. and I say that with the utmost respect, right, from mm. coffee cups to sushi shops to umbrellas. Veggie, my jars. Absolutely. Oh. Perfume. Is that accessibility to art, do you think? Is that making it accessible to everyone or is that just looking at another stream of business and why not? Mm. Look, I I think it's accessibility to art or to design and I think, you yeah. know, I, I always design know that David... The, yeah, David's sort of that a... Well. That's, that's part of his creativity. You know, I love that on ev- any given day he's coming up with a new idea and one of the things I've always said about David is, you know you've been at this for long enough you've been at this for 40 something years now practicing as an artist is that's not a small feat in itself and after 40 years your i guess your history with this career that you've chosen to take on is very long when it comes to seeing david's work on lots of different things whether it's cups or perfume bottles or or fabrics you know, you can't help but sometimes just go, well, that's really aesthetically pleasing. And I like creating that and I like seeing other people um, being able to access a little bit of it. You know, when we did our ceramic range with Robert Gordon and it was in Maya, oh, the joy of seeing this lovely lady who worked at Office Works maybe two hours away catching a train and a bus into Melbourne so that he she could be there on the day we launched meet david wow. him giving her you know a big hug it's those things are actually very joyful to us you know if you start um forgetting that that's important i think you sort of have your head stuck there's up your also, there's also there's also you know like a, you know pivotal moments in your life like you know you're walking down the street you know, Rundle Street in, in Adelaide, and you walk past Hungry Jacks, and they've got Lichtensteins and mm. Monet's on <laughs> yeah, the wall. Right. And you sort of go, right, Lichtenstein and Monet, you know, like, I mean, you, you, you're traversing, you know, some pretty sort of large eras of visual art. Neither of these people are alive. Someone's, uh, someone's given permission somewhere along mm. the line. Mm. And the sheer proliferation i mean you, you you look at i mean i've seen three or four collaborations with jean-michel basquiat um mm. you know in in melbourne alone in the last sort of year so i mean look it, it, you know it, is it, it classic it, tall poppy well i've always uh, said in our g- <laughs> look i think i look this is this is this is one out of many thoughts look I, you know, uh, look, I think it's gladiatorial, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, the the, the one thing that I really think of, coming back to time, uh, you know, I, I just can't understand, first and foremost, why some people don't just get on with their main game. Look, if you're an art critic, that is your main game. But, 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 but the majority of the criticism will come, you know, beyond other people who are supposedly in your game so you know maybe they're an opposing football team or you know whatever but i just can't understand either the 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 sort of you know the green-eyed monster which i find that very hard to sort of even conceptualize Mm. 
but I don't know. I, is is it just basic human nature that people sort of want to compete? There's no doubt. When I used to play cricket, I used to talk to the dudes on the other side. Um, <laughs> you know, have a bit of a but chat. That's smart, right? That's smart. That's just getting on the uh, yeah, inside. But, but I, I is it tall poppy? Well, you know, look, that exists, and I think it is. You know, look, take art away and just call the tall. Mm. Poppy system, uh, uh, sort of syndrome. It, it is the most absurd sort of situation where you think that to take someone else down, what pleasure do you derive from it? Are you forwarding yourself? And how does it impact you as well? Mm. So yeah. many texts coming in on this. I want to read just a few of this. And I actually <laughs> love this, right? Because it could be seen as a bit of a negative, but I actually think it's a positive. Yeah, it doesn't it's from, bother me. It's from Lucy in Paran. And yeah. she says, I use my clean Bromley sushi <laughs> wrapping paper to wrap my presents. Yeah. That's cool. That's, great. that's a great thing. That's, and that's a great thing. That's recycling. And that's another thing, too. I mean, if that sushi wrapping paper, you know, wasn't sort of visually imbued, it'd end up in the bin. Exactly. So it's re, it's, it's clean, re, right? They it's recycling. It yeah, I, 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 um, I, I, I've got a little drawer full of them, and I look at it in sort of great delight. And I must do a similar. I probably can't do it because it might look a little bit like. So you couldn't even be bothered in getting wrapping paper. Wasn't <laughs> you got some your of your stuff. own. <laughs> you're with David Bromley and his partner Yugi. You're on the conversation hour. Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy with you. This is the conversation hour. And releasing tomorrow is a documentary called Bromley Light After Dark. It is an intimate look at the life of David Bromley and his family and the world that is the Bromley Connection. David Bromley joins you in the studio, as does his wife, Yugi. Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy with you. When we talk about accessibility to art, and this is something you, that you said, it brings joy, even if it's on a coffee cup and someone travels two hours in order to be able to get it. I think that's really important. And this is something that I know Nick and I are really passionate about, especially if you grow up in regional Victoria, mm. if you grow up in a low totally. socioeconomic area, it is becoming more and more of a privilege as opposed mm. to a right mm. to be able to have access to art, even maybe getting instruments into schools, whatever it may be. Mm. So someone who we knew was very passionate about this and we've invited to be a part of the conversation and has been listening from our Canberra studios is Dr Anita Collins. She's a music educator, a writer, an advocate, a researcher about access and education to art and in particular music learning. Anita, a warm welcome back to the Conversation Hour. Thank you very much. So you've been listening to this. When we talk about David Bromley's work being on anything and everything, do you see that as access as opposed to a commercial sellout oh absolutely i could listen to this conversation i'm just happy to listen to it thank you so much um i yeah and i and it's really i've had so many um ideas and thoughts running through my head as i've been listening to you talk which is about this concept of is it accessible or is actually there's art and particularly visual art around us all the time from anything from you know how a building is constructed to mm. to someone who's just drawn on a wall to someone who's done yep. something on like patterns in things yes. and i think part of it is this idea that for me i was thinking in my head that you know this idea of access is we have to go into a gallery or we have mm. to go into a space mm. that has art in it and that in itself becomes a restriction i think and then well especially like i think if in. um you know there's, there's there's a sort of a reasonable amount of people um that are in the situation that you've got to sort of meet as a bridge to get to that art mm. who you know it's That's just a, a simple fact uh, well a lot of them have, a, a lot of them you know have their nose up in the air it's just yeah. a fact and i it's it's not one that i experience a lot because I don't go into galleries a lot because of that, mm. but I've mm. heard it from, you know, people who are immensely confident um, yeah. in their game um, and, you know, they they experience it. So you've got that second bridge as well. Not only is it in yeah. that situation. It's um, often hard for people mm. to actually physically get there. And, Anita, that's a lot of what yeah. you do too. It's like taking... Yeah the art, the music, whatever it is, to the people as opposed mm. to ha ensuring or hoping that the people will find find yeah. the access. Yeah, absolutely. And even recognising that 
it doesn't have to be inside a space, like it doesn't have to be inside a concert hall or inside a theatre, that it's actually all around us. And I think we've got into this very strange place that creativity, A, is first of all related to the arts Mm. as opposed to going, there's there's Mm. creation everywhere. You watch someone do coding and it's like, wow, that's amazing. I know what you mean about your builders and your farmers. I love watching an accountant work. It's like, wow. I know know it doesn't look like creativity, (laughs) but it is. It's like theatre at our place. When you give sits with our bookkeeper, (laughs) I look at the two of them and it's just like two of the happiest nerds. Uh, (laughs) And that's that, that isn't that not art? Creating a happiness that comes from yeah, numbers I, and creating ideas. Yeah, sorry, Anita. I was just going to say, though, in any art, we have always been through these striations of what has value and what doesn't. You yeah. know, there was so much sneering at popular music for so long. Pop mm. music yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Movies were derided. Television was bad. Mm. Video games have been through mm. it. We mm. always seem to hit this period where eventually we settle down to a degree and say, "Well, can we not just accept it as creative?" Well, look and at art. T- look at t- look mm. at t- look at look at the proliferation. Of, of, of stories being told on TV, um, you know, at the moment. The incre- you know, I saw an image on Instagram yesterday, you know, of a TV with three channels. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why, why, <laughs> uh, to, to me, you know, from the very beginnings of, of Twin Peaks to then like Carnival, um, mm. you know, Deadwood, mm. you know, etc. we now live in a time of this exceptional outpouring of modern day classics, you mm. know, being played out on, on, on television for us to just you know absorb and to me um you know you, you know my mum and dad used to have you know all the charles dickens um yeah. you know uh, books you know in in the library and now you know you, you know you look at netflix or something like that and there are just these if people would re- if, if certain people refuse to see that as an arena where you're going to see you know a classic of 2023 or something mm, i think they're yeah. blind and i certainly remember mm. many years um ago sitting next to a person you know who wrote one of the sort of um uh, you know more sort of intellectually based art magazines and she said to mm. me you know what are you into at the moment and i said well the Simpsons, you know, and uh, and she said, "Ew, the Simpsons." No, you can't say I've heard of that. And I yeah. thought, I How call. Yeah. That's the bit that gets me is why that that's that moment when there's judgment yeah. placed yes. on what are you into at the moment, as opposed to going, "I am so into Elvis right now." Like, yep. That's the he, he's just his voice is doing it for me, and I feel that's uplifted. Right. Speaking oh, yeah. of mental health, I feel oh, uplifted. Yeah. Yeah. There shouldn't be a moment of going, "Oh, he's really old." Fashioned or mm. something, or uh, it, it, it should just be like, wow, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think we struggle with judgment. And I think we, if we were able to be more open about the fact that we are artistic beings, every single one of us, mm. then maybe we could be a bit more open about a lot of other things. Mm. Um, because art and the joy of all types of arts are around us all the time. Mm. We just yes. have to, to be able to find it. To Chil- find children it and are see great. It. Uh, children yes. are great. Uh, sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of like the. What is it? The canary in the cage. Well, they still they've got that pure you know, out, yeah, oh, connection they, to it. Oh yeah. David Bromley is with you, as is his wife Yugi. You're listening to Dr. Anita Collins, as well as joining us from our Canberra studios, as we sort of pull apart the importance of art, really, in our lives, and why we all have opinions on what is good, what isn't, who should have access to it, and who doesn't. Anita, a lot of the work that you do is based within schools and education. Mm. What roles do schools have? I mean, David, you've already mentioned, you know, how school can either work for you or can really work against you. Can we make or break our love or appreciation of art at a primary yeah. school level absolutely and absolutely. and part of it is is having there's a lot of talk about being having access to the arts in schools and i struggle with that concept of access which just means you get exposed to it as opposed mm. to you understand the difference between all the different art forms but also the fact that they are a discipline in themselves and Mm. you know David with you creating so many um, pieces all the time and working constantly that's exploring the potential of your particular art form it's the same thing with Mm. learning a musical instrument it's it's this idea that we actually have to understand that how to recognize it first of all what it is and then understanding the intricacies that might go into and the discipline that might go into it and discipline's not a bad word Mm. it's a it's about it's imperative for you. If you want to get behind the driver's wheel of your creativity, 
as yeah. opposed to you know what is it the you know the 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 tail wagging the dog or the yeah. dog wagging the tail you know <laughs> if you want to be the dog wagging the tail you need a certain <laughs> amount of discipline yeah. so you can take this beautiful and magnificent thing and you can get behind the driver's yeah. wheel of it yeah just or a couple of texts i wanted to have a quick else. look at one second here sorry we've got a text in the beautiful david your artwork on my walls on the vase on my bench on my water bottle it always puts a smile on my face thank you the flip side of that thank is you. a text saying just because people like it doesn't mean it's fine art and i find that really interesting because i've often found that term fine art That's especially right. as we talk about visual mm. art anita it's mm. and i'm going to go personally here it feels like a gatekeeping term like yeah, you but the don't other thing, get to don't appreciate even, i mean we don't call ourselves a fine art gallery no. i mean we mm. like calling ourselves visual merchants most of the time you know and mm. we often I say in our that. galleries Somebody's five dollars is another person's fifty dollars is another yeah. person's five thousand yeah. is another person's fifty thousand. Who are we mm. to be the gatekeeper mm. and the judge of what that value is to them? And what I love and what ties into that too is the fact that you did take over the old Castlemaine yes. jail, and I think there's something really prominent in that space and what mm. you've done with that space as mm. a museum, so to speak, mm. because they're confronting spaces mm-hmm. they're yeah. spaces that often if they're not being used for incarceration get left to rot yes. and nothing mm. happens there or they can continue to exude that hideous thing that they were 30 40 mm. years that's right mm. well my our, our sort of um um south african um london and an american um dealer uh, absolutely begged us to sell it you know, he just could not stay in it and had to run away from it. Mm. And he's a oh, How do you feel in the space there? Uh, it, I, after we opened, I think I had a level of PTSD from doing it, you know, working <laughs> on it for about five years. Oh, the project but was... The project was backbreaking. But then mm. when we went back, you know, I, I honestly feel a sense of joy and pride with mm. what we've done mm. because... You know, the misconception the, the misconception is, is that it's a, you know, shrine to David's work, but the reality is we've got over 150 different artists' works on display there from Australia, international um, artists who have passed, artists who are young and emerging. You know, what we want people to see is the full spectrum. And we're not saying anyone is any better than the other. It's just, it's art to us. and mm. And surely you should be able to see a whole variety mm. of things without that sense of a gatekeeper. Can, I, can, I, can I pedal back just a, mo- a moment and just be pointed and, and I'll try and do it very quickly. <laughs> to, in no particular order, you know, you know the, the statement is, you know, fine art. You know, I, I often sort of, you know, I'm a huge lover of, of, of social media. But I mean, it, it, it's amazing how many people, you know, can't write more than two lines, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, that's a statement that, that, you know, I'd like to see it sort of backed, you know, a little bit more, you know, by, because these statements, these just these throwaway statements, I mean, how are they supposed to sort of even make you feel uncomfortable when mm. they, they just, these little statements that float in midair and I'd love to see mm. more about it. What I'd love to also do, talk very, very quickly about, you know, music and whilst I don't, mm want to single something out you know I didn't fly for 50 years and you know a very sort of troubling statement from my doctor made me think I need to get to the ocean and that ocean needs to be warm and I've got to get on a plane and I have a certain amount of medication anyway in the last Mm. three months I've flown eight times Mm. can Mm. I tell you can I tell you no matter what I take unless Mm. I have my um, earphones on and Mm. taking off um, with motorhead (laughs) Um, it doesn't matter what else I'm taking (laughs) my music list I understand that connection of music to actually calm us it takes me the it Gets me up there. And gets you, that's what the main thing yeah. is, and that's something that Anita would contest you. But Nick, yeah. what did you want to say? Mm. I just want to say that back to the jail, it feels almost like metaphor writ large for what mm. art has done for you and your mental health, David, in that you've, you've taken the jail that could be, you know, uh, could have so, it does have so much bad history attached to it, and art's transformed it into something that can be yeah, a Yeah, you put plants space. in the cells. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, plants as well. I'm a, I'm a massive. I mean, I just, I absolutely love gardens. And 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 in in some of the rooms, we've got the old sprung mattresses, which came later after hessian sacks on the floor. And um, there are certain um, ivies and creepers growing up the mm-hmm. um, the old spring mattresses. 
Um, and that is definitely a sight to, um, well, to behold. Well, people, there's texts here saying, as a local, what you've done with the Castlemaine Jail is extraordinary. It's a spectacular way Thank to you. see the Thank history you. of the place as well. That's from Kate, who's mm. in Castlemaine. Mm. Lots of artists sending in messages as well, just actually saying thank you for this conversation. Uh, this mm. one that says, as an artist, and I've been an artist my whole life, I've never been able to monetize it. There must be a place for me. Mm. And others, well, one that just says that David Bromley does the best boobs ever. <laughs> what are you if I was ever the boob king. Well, this text is from Anna and it says, if I was ever going to get a boob job, I'd ask David to consult with the surgeon. <laughs> Haters will hate, love your work, says Anna. Oh, and that. lots of people just talking about the fact that haters will hate. Dr. Oh, Anita Collins, so taking mm. it back to so the importance of art from an early years and David Bromley mm. mentioned, you know, as kids, kids see it well. Yep. When do we start to lose just dancing in the street because we feel mm. like it? When do we start to see art, in mm. uh, stop seeing art in everything and see it as something that you maybe do on the pastime or that you need special permission to and we stop yeah. just seeing it all around us? It's an interesting question. I think from a because I do so much um, work with brain science, part of it is around the age of seven and eight, and that has to do with the fact wow, that our brain young. is developing yeah. and it is, it's um, it's starting to get a, a, a stronger sense of self. Mm. And as soon as you get a stronger sense of who you are individually, you're actually an individual, that you start to be more aware of how you experience in the world, but also about you're picking up more about Judgment's the, not the right word, but like what yeah. are the parameters of how I live mm. and what are the things that are okay? And that's exactly the same time as you get this, it's not my term, but it's a term that I really like, which is called an art scar. Mm. And it often happens at school. And with being in music, most of the time when I go and working with teachers and, and groups and I go, right, we're going to sing, I will very likely have someone who almost has a panic attack. Yeah. Mm. And it ca- and when you go, Absolutely. you don't have to go very far to go, and, yeah, I was that kid that they said, get up on stage and we're going to sing, but we just want you to mouth the words because you haven't got a good voice. <gasps> oh. And it's it's one moment of mm. of judgment in, about mm. art. Yeah, it's and it happens how with you drawing as well. Can I, can I bring in a, a sort of, because we, you know, we t- also talked about commerciality and success. Um, mm. Watch the new Robbie Williams um, documentary. Yes. Entry because you know I, I know with myself where I found myself in art and then I lost myself in art and you know mm. I had similar breakdowns um, through success as I did through failure and um, you know Robbie Williams is the, at the height of things and he's losing his mind and mm. um, you know the it, 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 you know the extreme success and his extreme anxiety to the extent that it was just, you know, it, it, what it reduced him to, you, it really must see it because, you know, people do think that you reach a certain stage of success and you're on a magic carpet ride. Mm. I mean, that's... that's just not the case. Ooh, and Anita, your brain science with you, I mean, David mm. and the, the documentary that's about to launch tonight on, on David's life and work, the Robbie Williams documentary, but mm. when we look at the role that art can play in helping us with depression and anxiety and what it does to the brain. Is that something Mm. that you've looked into? Yeah, there's a huge amount of research and it's been used for centuries, art as a therapy Mm. and art as a therapy for our our general mental health and our well-being more than anything else as well as a sort of more of in a treatment point of view. From If I go from my point of view, music, you were talking about Motorhead before, that's Mm. perfect because (laughs) you have found the piece of music that you need to put on when you're probably feeling heightened anxiety, Mm. heightened stress response Mm. and because music... Do you want to hear the rest of my playlist? (laughs) (laughs) I think what is what's amazing what's happening is that you're about to have a stress response and music we had song before we had language so music is Mm. in the oldest part of our brain Mm. so when we put music on and we find and often we do it without even going I know this piece makes me feel this way for this reason we just Mm. go this is the piece I need to listen to Mm. it actually bypasses all of our emotions a lot of our um frontal uh, cortex which is Mm. where a lot of our anxiety Mm. you know gets started Um, and it just goes no 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 it's okay you're safe you're in Mm. the oldest part of your brain Mm. you're going to be okay and the Mm. music does that for us and it doesn't that's the thing people go oh we should listen to Debussy or something quiet or and it's like no sometimes Mm. we need thrash metal sometimes we need I can can 
matter. I can meditate to public image limited, you know. Oh, sometimes <laughs> we need Dr. Anita Collins is with you. You're also listening to the voice of David Bromley and his partner, his wife, Yugi. The documentary Bromley Light After Dark is about to be released tonight. You're on the Conversation Hour. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Nick Healy joining you today is our co-host who's from ABC Shepherd. And this text, I do art because it's my language, a way of making sense of myself and the world. It's an extension of me. I left art school because they had a narrow view of what mm. art is. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy with you, Nick's in ABC Shepparton. And we're talking with David Bromley and Yugi. We're talking about the life and the work that is David Bromley. His documentary launches tonight. It's starting out at the Astor. There's a Q&A that you can be a part of and that it'll be showing all throughout Victoria. Dr. Anita Collins is with you. She joins us in our Canberra studio. As we sort of look at the importance of art, the role it plays in our lives and the opinion that we all have on art. <laughs> but I think what all of us can agree on is that it helps, right? It helps us whether we recognise it or not. Someone who would agree with us on this is Susanna Day. She's a Matu woman and she's also the CEO of The Torch. Now, The Torch provide art and culture and arts industry support to First Nations people who are either in jail or who have recently been released from jail. Susanna, it goes without saying that the work that The Torch does is incredible and is vital. How important is art to one's sense of self and rehabilitation? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, look, firstly, I'd like to almost um, change the question and talk about culture as transforming lives. Um, you know, we are artists who are across all 15 Victorian prisons. Uh, we work with 800 men and women a year. Um, they are um, using the um, pr practice of making art to connect or reconnect to culture. So culture is absolutely at its core. So many of our artists have um, very little relationship with what it means to practice culture. Mm. They haven't been given the tools. They've got been given very little access to their own culture through their life. That might have been because they grew up in residential care. That might be because they've been grown up in the youth justice system. So we're trying to bridge that cultural vacuum that is incarceration and provide tools to give people a cultural identity and that sense of purpose can transform your life dramatically and we've seen those effects. It, tell me what you have seen, Susanna. Like, what have been some of the results that have come your way? Oh, well, I'm... I hate to talk about recidivism rates because that's very boring because I've been listening to the conversation <laughs> thus far and we've really been talking about the personal. But, um, you know, uh, Indigenous incarceration rates in this country are woefully higher than that of their non-Indigenous counterparts. So we're seeing 55% um, on average across the board. Um, luckily, uh, through the TORCH program, um, and it is open to every single Indigenous man and woman who's incarcerated in Victoria at the moment, we're seeing a 19% recidivism mm. rate. So the re Sorry, the reoffending rate is is drastically lower. To talk about the personal, um, qualitative um, responses, um, giving people access to family and to hope mm. has dramatically mm. changed people's outcomes. Um, we have one of our artists, an amazing uh, Gunditjmara man called Chris Austin, who spent 30 years in prison through his life. He'd never been out of prison uh, for a year before um, since he was 11. Wow. He's um, now knocking on six. The, giving him the access and he first found out really about who he was and how his family, um, his, his, the generations of his family had been um, impacted by colonialism and the impacts of uh, the stolen generation when he was in his like 28th year of his prison sentence and he figured out who he was. We gave him the tools. We bring in cultural resources. So we give people language and stories from elders um, and um, images of country. He'd been removed from country at 11 mm. and he'd been put in the youth justice system at 12. So actually giving him access yeah. to his family changed his life dramatically. And mm. this year is six years out. Oh, wow. That. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful. Susanna, are you given the, the support, the funding that you need? So often as a community and as a society, the work that's being done 
grassroots organisations that are getting results, that are changing people's lives, have to fight tooth and nail in order year after year to make it work. Do you get the recognition and the support that you need? That's a great question. Um, it's, oh, look, that's a double-edged uh, sword. Mm. I think that um, we, we've seen stagnant state funding for six years now, um, and I don't see that going anywhere um, with the current state budget that's going to be delivered down in May. I think that we obviously know where we are financially as a state, and we're not in a great place. But what I do, what we do see is some great support from Corrections Victoria who allow mm, us access great. to our men and women inside. Um, and we are getting um, an incredible amount of funding now from the arts, um, which mm. is so interesting because for so many years we only got justice funding. But actually, wow, and not now, arts funding. Isn't that yeah, interesting? So, but that sort of goes to down to how we view the art world, right? So is true. that a part of the art? I mean, there's another mm. text here from Richard in Riot says, a single art world, in inverted commas, is not nonsense there it are multiple <laughs> multiple yeah. ways to yeah. exist in a creative profession and communities mm. to be an artist is to find a way to be the most creative person and central mm. to your own being it's yep. not easy good luck to all who manage that mm. however sure. i don't know how they do it says richard mm. in rye and the fact that you do now get funding from both worlds is so important susanna thank you thank you for the work that you do and just for mm, sharing a, a little bit of your story mm. today mm. susanna just day who's this, quickly yeah go. Do you mind if I just very quickly plug our in-prison program? Mm. Oh, we've got a show on at the moment called Future Dreaming. It's our in-prison show. It's 248 artworks by um, only men and women who are incarcerated currently in Victoria. It's on show in Carlton, uh, Tuesday to Saturday. Uh, all of the works are 230 to $330. So if we're talking about access, yeah. they're incredibly yeah. accessible. Mm. Um, and they're beautiful stories about hope and about what they see as their vision for their own future. Mm. So I really um, encourage people to come and um, come and purchase the work. There's only 90 works still available. Um, wow. And they're really beautiful and incredibly accessible for, oh, for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, oh, congratulations, right. Susanna. Mm. Susanna Day, she's the CEO of The Torch. You're on the Conversation Hour, Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy with you in the studio, David and Yugi Bromley as we talk about access to art. Bromley Light After Dark, a documentary on David's, well, it's not just David's life, it's actually the world mm. of Bromley. And mm. what I find fascinating, and before we go back to Dr Anita Collins, is that, Yugi, you said in the documentary towards the end that I hope that this world gets passed on to our children. Mm. And what I love is that fundamentally what you've created is a family business. So when we talk about <laughs> the art world... Mm. That's right. It's, I mean, Lucian Pissarro right. had five children. All five of them became artists. Yeah. But even if they mm. don't become artists, no, they can right. still carry on your Absolutely. family business. Absolutely. Mm. And there mm. are so... You know, we talk about our family, but our actual Bromley team have grown to become like a family as well mm. all of a sudden you have these connections with people who you count as brothers or sisters mm. that aren't by blood but they mm. matter to you that much mm. and when it comes to our own kids you know they are not, just, they are not dispensable no and then <laughs> you look at your own them. kids and mm. they have you know they display different levels of creativity or eccentricity or you know and and you watch them and you go yes well maybe what we've created here has a has a component for any one of you it might mm. not be painting or sculpting or that side of creation but perhaps you might have a business mind and that might have a relevance to you so mm. it it definitely is a family business that's mm. that's, that's I love that. absolutely mm. true the door is wide open yes. definitely um you know for that um mm. you know and 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 that's a sort of um a situation where you've got to tread carefully because you sort of you know you've got to let them spread their wings in certain that's directions right. but at the same time you know a sort of like a constant little reminder, but there is a place here, mm. you know, for and you. It looks fun, mm. man. I just mm. wanted to hang oh, out it there. Did. Yeah. So <laughs> much fun. Why wasn't my yeah. childhood that awesome? It is good. <laughs> it, it is wonderful to see that too, but I'm just kind of curious. You mentioned that kids get pointed out for their eccentricities or the things they're yes. interested mm. in. Do you get pushback on that? Do you get people saying, can't they have a more normal childhood? Um, um, I've got something great to say about this. I know mm, my mum and dad mm. used to help us a lot looking after our two girls when mm. they were really young. Mm. And I remember at one stage dad said to me, which was the hugest compliment, I think, he said, look, 
especially often, for Chinese yeah, immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. He mm. said, often I would think, you know, we should look after your kids because we can offer them routine, stability, you know, meals at this time, etc., etc. you know, going to school properly, all of these things. And then he said, but I realise, Mum and Dad, we can't, as as their grandparents, we can't give them the breadth of vision that you oh. and David can. Mm. And I just, you know, because it's like an arrow in the heart. Yeah. You know, they've recognised that recognize what we do. Them. And they were, yeah. must be quite, are they quite traditional? They will, mm. look, you, you, growing up, definitely I had very, very Chinese traditional parents. But as, as a woman and as an adult now and watching them, be immersed in our life for the last 13 or so years mm. you know i yes traditional in some ways mm. but in so many other ways so there is, broad thinking there innate respect for for sort of um cultural largesse yeah. um is is absolutely in you know so enjoyed by them and when they see the children that mm. uh, do it you know it, it would be no different than them getting a high grade at, at, at school and uh, yugi's mum um asked me about four or five years ago if she could have a couple of nudes <laughs> <laughs> so, not of yugi by the <laughs> Dr. Anita Collins, thank you so much for taking the time to, to wander into our Canberra studios and to be a part of this conversation. But hand on heart as well, for, for the work that you do as an advocate mm. for access mm. in music, mm. it's never been more important. Like, I really mm. worry about that divide that is happening in society about who can mm. access mm. what. Mm. And the thing that falls first is access to yes. the arts. It's mm. kind of just seen mm. as this addition. Yep. And today's conversation just goes to show it's not an addition. Mm. It's vital mm. to our being and to our lives. So, mm. Dr. Anita Collins, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you do. Thank you. It's been so wonderful just to be in the conversation and we need to have more of these conversations yeah, at I every agree. age and every part to be able to just roam around and not yeah. find an answer to something mm. but just explore what it is to be human because that's what the arts are. It's, it's an expression mm. of our mm. humanity. I agree. Dr Anita Collins, she's a music educator, a writer, an advocate and a researcher. You may have seen her on an incredible program that we did on the ABC where she went out to schools with Guy Sebastian and just made mm. sure that kids had access to instruments, mm. for example, and so many schools don't even have the simplest of things in order to make music. The documentary on your world, you know, which is still in the middle, your world is still well and truly halfway through the experience, mm. is called Bromley Light After Dark. It's such a great watch. You know, Nick and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You've got lots of people making comment on it, whether it be, you know, actors like David Wenham. You've got mm. beautiful music from Julia Stone mm. as well. Were you happy with it when you sit back and you look at your life on the big screen? Did you think, wow, is that us? Oh, I hate to say it, but... Uh yeah, I, I, I like it. <laughs> are you allowed? To, are you allowed? To, are you allowed to like yourself? Yes, you are. I looked through it, and you know, of course, you know, I fell in love with Yugi fifty times again. And um, yeah, I, at the end of it, and I thought, no, I don't mind that guy. He's all right. Yeah. Well, mm. considering where you came from and some of the journeys that you've been yeah. on, you want to like that guy and you want to love that guy. Mm. Mm. There is a Q&A tonight on at the Astor as well if people want to be a part of that. Thank you both so Thank much you, for Thank coming you in Thank you, Nick. and, and mm. sharing your time and mm. your stories. Nick Healy, as always, mate, thank you. I oh, have loved every second of this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, we've really enjoyed that. That's mm. great. Mm. I'll be yeah. back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow is another special program as I take you out to the world that is Second Bite. That's who we are putting all of our energies towards this year. They do amazing work ensuring that food doesn't go to waste and that people get fed. So tomorrow I'll be from Second Bite. Till then, take care and speak soon.